You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. We have just gotten back from the most whirlwind personal trip over the last week. And, you know, I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks that we're just going through a really hard time personally right now. And I know so many of you are as well. But I've also just been thinking about how life is about that balance, right? That we want to be honest when things are hard because it makes us feel less alone to hear that other people are struggling as well and to know that we are not the only ones. And then also, because things are hard, at other times we just want to focus on joy and happy stories and escapism and just hear someone else share positive things so that it takes our mind off of it and it reminds us of the joy and the positivity that also is present in a beautiful life, like the yes and. So I feel like we've been holding space for each other in the hard for quite a few weeks and now I just want to spend time in joy. And so I wanted to share this really personal day with you that in the midst of this incredible whirlwind week that Jeremy and I were out of town, in the midst of it, there was one day that was really six hours from like 1 a.m. to 7 p.m. where we got to focus on the joy of the baby and this surrogacy experience. And my mom was with us, which I'll explain was just made it even so much more magical. Even in the midst of this day, though, we were juggling calls. Like we had to drive from one place to the other and so we weren't in the same car as our surrogate and some of the drives were long. So we'd be going from one appointment to the next and then going right back to the personal stuff that we're dealing with and making calls and checking emails and um, having conversations and trying to make decisions. And I say that at the top to just say that I see you if you are in a season where you are, if you are in a day, in the same day, <laughs> at the same event, you are holding joy and sorrow at once. You are holding the hard and the happy and context switching back and forth. And I know that we, you know, I've been sharing a lot about burnout and healing my burnout because it really has allowed me to context switch back and forth. The fact that I'm as mentally and emotionally healthy as I am has allowed me to context switch and be able to actually be so present in the moments of joy and then switch in the car ride and have to handle something and not just feel so deeply anxious and like I am going to lose my mind. Um, I also just would like to say a PSA for Xanax, by the way. Um, I only really take Xanax at night to help me sleep, but just when you are going through a, a tough time, if you are having trouble sleeping because of phenomenal anxiety, just want to real quick aside here to go see a psychiatrist and think about having a temporary Xanax um, prescription to be able to support you because I also think the fact that I take, take a half Xanax every night and I am getting good sleep is helping me to to handle everything uh, during the day. So, anyways, my mom flies up to um, to Northern California, where our surrogate is. My parents live in Southern California. This has been planned for a long time that we are going out for our um, 
20-week, five-month anatomy scan, um, which I I guess is supposed to be a big milestone. I'll share kind of in a minute. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure why this is such a big milestone, but people tell you it's a big milestone. So that seemed that like when I'm hearing other surrogate podcasts, this is the scan that people fly out for. So as soon as we knew we were pregnant, we were like, okay, also the, you know, early to middle of February is when we're flying out for that 20-week scan. Our appointments just happened to be on a Monday, and so that's just, you know, the date that was on the calendar. We never really even thought twice about it, and so we were like, okay, my mom will fly in with us on uh, Sunday night, and we'll go to this on Monday, and then we'll all fly home on Tuesday. So we are uh, making the drive um, out to where my surrogate is. And uh, we meet at a, a Habit, which if you're not familiar, it's, it's it's just like a nicer fast food chain, like, I don't know, maybe like a Chipotle kind of a thing. Um, we're just looking for someplace we can grab a really quick like salad and then get to the appointment. And we're, we're, we're late, or she's late rather, because there's some, there's paperwork she has to get. And these are the things where I don't know what, because this is our first time having a baby and we think it's our only time having a baby, I don't know what parts of our experience are different because we're in IVF, different because we're doing surrogacy, or are just the way things work. So she finds out that morning, our surrogate, that I'm just going to call her Joe. Joe finds out that morning that um, she needs a a piece of paper from our doctor officially requesting the scan and the scan happens at a different facility. And the facility that's in her town has on, only has one advanced ultrasound tech who can do the anatomy scans and that person doesn't work on Monday. So we're driving 45 minutes away to their next location and I don't know how Joe only is informed on Monday that she needs this piece of paper. And by I say she's informed, I don't even know how that went down. I just know she's very responsible. She's very on top of it. I don't think this was the case of her being frazzled and not knowing. I think it's like they call that morning and are like, hey, we just want to confirm your appointment um, is at 1.15 today. Also, we don't have that paperwork from your doctor. (laughs) And then she calls, or I think also they're keeping fax issues where people are faxing people in information, doctor's offices, and they aren't getting it. I didn't know that people still used faxes, but they do. Now, is this, I don't know, if you're giving birth in Chicago, is there, like, if you're in a big city, are we not doing this anymore? Is everything in one big medical office where your anatomy scan is at the same place? Like, I'm talking to a friend of mine um, who is pregnant right now, and she was saying um, they are, they're, they're really trying to save money. And so she said, we, I'm not going to do the ultrasound. Like we did one at 10 weeks. I'm not going to do one in between the 20 week because, um, cause it's $150 each time. And I, and she's like, but I have a doctor's appointment. I'm like, well, what do you do with the doctor's appointment? If there's no, if there's no ultrasound, because that's all our doctor is amazing and allows us to FaceTime, which very sadly, a lot of surrogate uh, a lot of intended parents are not given that option because doctors say they're, quote, not allowed, which 
really, our doctor was like, they just mean it's inconvenient. Like he's like, they're going to use HIPAA to say that they can't do it. He's like, this is your biological baby. Like this is you, you have legal access to this medical information. So for you not to be allowed. So they're like, well, there's no recording in the room. Like he's like, they're just being, they're just hiding behind the red tape because it's easier for them. There actually isn't an ethical concern here. If they were concerned with ethics, they would be doing it. So we are so blessed with an incredible doctor who allows us to FaceTime in, but I was like, what else do you do at an appointment other than the the ultrasound? That's that's when they FaceTime us in. And she was like, well, you know, you go into the one room for the ultrasound and then you go into the other room. And I was like, oh, no, there's just one room at our place. Like, I think we're just not in a big town. And she's like, you know, you've got the ultrasound tech. And I was like, oh no, our doctor is the one doing the ultrasound. Like he's the ultrasound tech. So I've been joking that, um, do you know big business? If you're much younger than me, you probably don't know this film. I recommend it. I feel like it stands up. It's Bette Midler, Lily Tomlin. I'm sure I've told you about it before. I mean, just two of the greatest comedic geniuses of our time. It's a movie from the 80s. Anyways, there's a scene in which there's a teeny, tiny little hospital that they deliver in. We're not in this podunk of a town, but I've been joking that like this is, we, we've come from, and basically there's a big city couple that ends up in this podunk town and then they have to give birth there. So I've been joking that um, they come, they've come from New York City, that uh, this is us. So it is not that small, but I digress. This is to say, it starts off on a stressful note because she is late and we are trying to get her food and we are trying to get to this appointment. And uh, there's just so often where there's these paperwork issues all throughout the surrogacy process. And I know most of that is just because of surrogacy, but the number of times that it feels like we've been sprinting to get something done. And I just think, how is this, this disorganized? Like, and, and is it this, is there this much paperwork normally when you're pregnant? So anyways, we're at this habit restaurant. We go in, we order, we've asked her for her lunch order so we could go ahead and order her salad for her. We are so focused on everything else that's happening in our life. That's like all I can think about. We are talking about it till the moment that we get there. We go in, we order the salads. I rush to the restroom. I sit down in the toilet and I just burst into tears because I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to be so close to our baby. Like I've never been this close. And so I'm just like crying happy tears (laughs) sitting on the toilet in this restaurant. I come out and I'm like, this restaurant is too quiet. Like there's other people eating lunch and, and we're going to have this emotional moment. I'm going to see her. My mom's going to meet her. So I'm like, let, let's go outside. There's, there's tables outside, but then they're in the sun. It's too hot. They're anchored to the floor. You can't move them. I'm like, okay, we'll just go around to the front of the restaurant. We'll just stand outside and at least just say hi to her. So my mom comes out of the bathroom. I'm waving her outside. Jeremy's now in the bathroom. And I start to say to my mom, like, I'm like, I said, I'm good because, you know, everyone knows like you should like say you're good when you start to cry in front of your mom or if you cry and you pick up the phone, you're like, I'm good. Everything's fine. I was like, I'm good. I'm just feeling emotional like in in a happy way. My mom bursts into tears. She's like, I know. I know. I'm so excited. Like, I just can't believe it's happening. So now my mom and I are just standing in front of this fast food restaurant crying. Jeremy comes out. I'm like, we're both just happy, like letting him know everything is fine as well. So, um, Joe comes around the corner and, um, I had said to her that like a a few weeks ago, I said, I'm realizing you, I said, I think it's really going to hit when we see you because you're going to look pregnant and we haven't seen any photos of your bump or anything. And I think like you're going to really look pregnant. And she was like, I feel like I am a little bit. 
Like, I'm not showing that much. Like, I feel like even with my two pregnancies, like, I, I, I don't show all that much. Like, she's pretty tall and I really think that has a lot to do with it. I don't know. I'm thinking of two other friends of mine that um, one is one is her height and uh, Joe's height and one is my height and they were pregnant at the same time and the one that was my height looked so much more pregnant because there's just like four inches less of space in the torso area, you know, like that makes a big difference. So she sent us this video when there was just a heartbeat scan and I was like, where she was just lying down and she just had this little bump. I mean, she just looks like a person with a not flat stomach. Like she doesn't actually look pregnant. So I had really reset my expectations and I realized yet again, like with so many things in this process, I, I don't have any experience in this. I don't know what somebody looks like at five months. And once you've been through it, you know, like I, now if someone says to me, that they are 14 weeks pregnant, I know exactly what that is. I know what you could see on the ultrasound at that point. But prior to this, if you told me you're 22 weeks prior to ever being in a pregnancy, I'm just counting fours on my finger. I'm like four, eight, 12. Okay, so so five and a half months. Now, I have no concept for what, what you look like at five and a half months. And I'm realizing that because people have made a big deal of the anatomy scan because I've gotten the idea from hearing other surrogate podcasts that the five-month anatomy scan is the one you fly out for. It's feeling further along in the pregnancy. And so I'm thinking that she's further along. And I also have a friend that is... um, that's six weeks behind us in pregnancy. And she was saying to me like, oh yeah, I had to tell a friend cause I'm like starting to show. And I was like, really? And so we were like on FaceTime and she like showed me her belly. And I, I was like, in my mind, I was like, I, you don't, you don't look pregnant to me. Like I would never look at you and be like, oh my God, are you pregnant? Like I was like, you don't look pregnant, but I didn't want to say that because obviously my friend knows her stomach is larger than it usually is. But I think this is such an indicator, y'all. We we are so much more obsessed with the size of our body than even our best friends are. Like, unless you are maybe in workout gear with a friend that you are in workout gear with all the time, who the, it's very tight right on your abdomen. I'm like, there is no way that in jeans and a sweatshirt, I am giving that friend a second thought. And so, but because she said she feels like she's showing, I'm like, well, if Joe is six weeks ahead, she probably, probably is, you know? So I was grateful that she sent me a little video because it like set my expectations, but she did intentionally wear like uh, tall leggings so that it would be as tight as possible. And so, yeah, if I passed that woman in Target, I would be like, oh, she's, she's pregnant. She's got a little butt. Like she, she definitely looks pregnant. She doesn't just look like someone who doesn't have a flat stomach. Now, again, in part, that's because she's wearing leggings and, you know, a crop top or whatever. So anyways, we shovel down our food. We're late to the appointment. It's like a few minutes away. We get there. I throw the keys at my mom. I'm like, you park the car. I I run in, I see the word ultrasound second floor. So I dash into the elevator, but then as the doors are closing, I see the words imaging center first floor. And I'm like, okay, I don't think we were supposed to be in the elevator. I I, I think I jumped the gun. I think we're supposed to be on the first floor. So we go back down. I rush up to the desk because mind you, we're late. And I'm like, hi, we're checking in. I like give her her, give her the name. She's like date of birth. And I'm like, 
I don't know. She's our surrogate and we're the intended parents. And I'm assuming that we've beat her because she's parking because my mom dropped us off and she's parking. But you just realize those little things of like, oh, I guess in hindsight, maybe I should have her date of birth written down, but it's never been relevant before. Like, I don't know. She's like, oh, she's at our such and such location. Well, we've already driven 40, I mean, we're already 45 minutes away from her town. So I'm thinking, are we 45 minutes away from our appointment? No, it turns out there's another location five minutes away in town. Okay, I'm now saying to Jeremy, like, if our life was not so insane right now, I would have had a very clear itinerary for this trip. I would have confirmed the addresses. I would have Google Maps, I almost said MapQuest, which is, right? Does anybody still use MapQuest? But I was about to say MapQuest because that's just like when we first started doing it. I would have Google Maps, the difference between. But our life has been so insane that I feel like I'm showing up and I, our surrogate, it is not tracking to her. She's not like, these people are a hot mess. But I know that I seem like more of a frazzled mom-to-be who's like not really on top of things because there's so much other stuff happening in my life. So I'm like, how is it possible there are two of these imaging centers five minutes apart and our, and I'm not blaming our surrogate, by the way, but you're just realizing she doesn't know that we don't know the exact address. If she was given the address, she doesn't know that there's two imaging centers in the same town. She didn't put it into Google Maps to be like, I wonder if there's a second location, you know, like just these little details that you don't realize she was given an address and she gave us a name. And unless they said to her, there's two names in the same town, so make sure you tell your intended parents the exact address that we would end up at the other place. Like, there's just so many of these little things. So we rush over there. She texts us back, and she's like, hey, they already took me back. The woman was pretty rude. You know, I, I told her that you guys had flown in for this, and she was like, well, I, I, I've only got 30 minutes, so you have to come with me now. So we're sort of already prepped that, like, they're not being super supportive, which I'll talk more about, but unfortunately, like, that's something that I feel like you're really prepped for in the surrogacy process, if you've listened to a lot of podcasts, is to, like, be dismissed a lot and be treated rudely a lot and be disrespected a lot. Like, I just hear so many stories about that that it's like, I'm already bracing for it in a way where I don't know, like, so for example, we get there. Again, I throw, my key, throw the keys at my mom. We're running around. We run into the wrong door. We're asking somebody, do you know where the imaging center is? Like, I'm in slides, by the way, not the right footwear. I did not realize the amount of times I was going to need to run this day. I should have been in tennis shoes. I'm like in these little Jenny Kane slides trying to run around and like slip sliding everywhere. Um, so we go in. We're like, hi, we're here for... We give her full name. Um, they said they already took her back. And she's like, um, she's like, yeah, they'll come get you in about 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, what? She's like, they just need to like do, I was like, what do they do at the, be at the beginning of the appointment that we can't be there for? And she's like, they just do measurements and blah, 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 blah. And then they'll like bring you back for the, for the final part. And it's just in moments like this, like you just don't, I don't know. Should I push? Should I? Should I advocate for us more? Should I re-emphasize? Like, we've, we've flown in for this. 
Like we want to be a part of every part of it. Now, if there was some like vaginal exam, we don't need to be in the room. There's something deeply private, but that's not what's happening here, right? Like, so what are you doing that as the biological parents, we wouldn't be allowed for? Like, but then there's also just part of you that is grateful they even said yes, because they could have said no, because you're only allowed one person in the room or because they would only allow your uh, the the biological parent, the other biological parent in the room, like if you know if you're bringing your husband, boyfriend, partner, whatever. So it's like you want to be grateful that you got any respect, and so then you just don't know like how much should I be grateful because there's other parents that have been not even given this, but then also like why are we just sitting in the wait? Like it just it's so confusing. So I'm just like okay. And my contact is blurry. I'm like, let me change my contact. Cause I just, this is going to go so fast and I want to be able to see the screen. So I run out to the car. I'm changing my contact. Jeremy comes rushing out. He's like, they're, they're, they'll take us back now, which has been, you know, th- three minutes, not, not 20 minutes. So now I'm running back again in my Jenny Kane slides and we get in there and the woman is very rude. She's like, um, she's like, hi, uh, there's no photos, no videos. I can't answer any questions. Your doctor will uh, get a report in two to three business days. So don't ask me anything. We're like, okay. <laughs> so we sit down and um, I will say we then warmed her up throughout the process. And she like ended up being much more chatty and much more warm. But like, why? Like, why? I just don't understand the rudeness. Like, it's just so confusing to me. And it's like, in the moment, I I was okay with it because I've been prepared, right? Like, I've, I've been prepared to be dismissed. So I'm okay. I'm not that angry and I'm not that sad. But I think about it later and I just think, why? Like, why would you not just be kind? Like... I know you do this every day, but you also chose to do this. You chose to become an ultrasound technician and you know that people are having a once in a lifetime experience, you know, like, so it's just, it's kind of like at Disneyland, you know, there's an ethos that you, you are trained as a Disneyland cast member that, I mean, even doing the Rockettes, like, you know, our directors would like, you know, just keep reminding us, like, there is a kid out there. And this is going to be a formative experience for them. They cannot believe they are here. It's the magic of Christmas. They're seeing Santa Claus. They're a little girl in dance class. Their dream is to be a rock hat. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say, like, I went out every day of the 42nd Street Tour. I went out every day of Radio City Rockettes picturing there is someone here that, like, this is a formative experience for them, and I'm going to give it my all. And it was a dance show, you know, all things considered. So I don't think I'm being hypocritical that it's hard for me. And I I understand like people have bad days, you know, I'm not saying that, but you've been prepped. You've, we didn't, we didn't surprise you. We didn't spring this on you. We're not immediately being annoying. You just are immediately coming with a rude energy. And I guess to me, I feel like if you've gone into that field, you need to be able to take a breath and shake off your bad day. Like, I've never shown up for a webinar or a workshop with you and just been witchy the whole time because I was having a bad day. Do you know what I mean? Like, I took a breath and I shook it off. 
And I was like, I'm, I'm here to serve and give you a positive experience. So anyways, we're able to warm her up. And I also will say that, um, the, the five month anatomy scan was felt like, like really uneventful. And I just want to say that for anybody who hasn't been through it at 14 weeks, I think I said in a previous uh, episode, our 14 week scan was magical. We saw the whole baby. They were waving. They were like flailing their arms. They were kicking their legs. They were flipping over. Like we were, it was one of the best moments of our life. We were like, oh my gosh, there's a full on baby in there. And so my friend who said she wasn't going to do another one, I seriously was like, I was like, I want to send her $150 to to help her get this scan. Like my heart is breaking for her that she's not going to get one at like 14 or 16 weeks and have that like extra connection with the baby. Now I'm going to call her later today and be like, by the way, (laughs) the scans are really hit or miss because like, first of all, an anatomy scan, they're zooming in so tight because they're trying to do all these measurements that then the doctor looks at to make sure there's no abnormalities or whatever, but you can't tell what you're looking at. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so zoomed in. And then also the baby was just hiding this time. Like it was really hard to get, it's like their, their face was, you know, backwards towards Joe's spine or their hands were in front of their, um, their face. And I, again, I was fine with that. I just have, I'm so light on my expectations in this process because I've heard so many bad stories and I am so grateful genuinely for the experience we had at 14 weeks. I, I end up, you know, you got the heartbeat and you got the, you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. Like, so I, I wasn't crestfallen by that, but I'm grateful that I get to tell my friend, it might be kind of overwhelming. You might not have the experience, Jeremy and I had at 14 weeks. It just depends on how active the baby is feeling, the positioning of the baby, it could be amazing or it could be a little like, okay, I mean, there is something, I guess I can kind of, you know, like she's trying to be like, okay, so here's, do you see that cavity? Like that's where the nostrils are. And you're like, uh, do I <laughs> like, <laughs> am I sure that I, you know, see what we want to see? So anyways, everything is good with that. Then we are rushing to try to do a hospital tour. Now, again, the hospital has been kind of rude to our surrogacy agency. The surrogacy agency has all these questions they want answered, like how should the gestational carrier um, identify when she checks in that she is a gestational carrier and like just just different admin things to make sure everybody's on the same page, whatever. And they've said they can't answer those questions over the phone to her, to, to the surrogacy agency. And you're like, why? These are just like factual questions. These aren't about anyone's personal medical information like why are you just not helping like facilitate this unique experience so we call the woman she's kind of rude on the phone she's like I was like you know she's like oh I have an appointment till this time and I was like okay we're also trying to meet our surrogate's family and um so is there any way like could we come after that time and she's like I leave at five and it just was like Again, just that, you know, I'm explaining like we've flown in and all they said was call us the day you're here and we'll see what we can do. They can't guarantee a hospital tour. And I was just like, why? Why is this so hard to make a 15 minute appointment? How many people do you really have coming in that are doing a hospital tour? Like, so anyways, but once we get there, we warm her up. (laughs) And yet again, it's like once people are interacting face to face with a human, they tend to warm up, not always. I'll give you a 
example of that um, in a minute, but that, but I'm finding they tend to warm up, but I, but it's just unfortunate that you have to like, you know, get them there. So anyways, it was so helpful having the lived experience of just knowing all the adrenaline that will be coursing through our body whenever we get that call, knowing where to park, knowing that you're at the right entrance. And there's just all these little steps. It's like, okay, so you turn here and then at this door you need to buzz and then you need to tell them that you're here for OB. And then you go into labor and delivery. And I'm like, okay, can I ask, uh, is OB and labor and delivery, are those interchangeable words? Or do we really need to say one or the other? (laughs) Like, no, at this one, you get on the phone and you're going to say the patient's name. And it just is, it just, you just think you're going to be so tense. And what if someone what if you say the name and they're like, oh, well, she's in labor. You're not allowed back here. And then you're on the phone trying to explain like, she's our surrogate. We're the parents. We're supposed to be here. We're, you know, like, oh, so I'm glad that we were there. I'm glad we got that like lived experience of being in there. And then she starts asking us all these questions to, to be helpful. But then I'm starting to get stressed because I'm like, these are birth plan questions and I am planning on doing a session with a doula and our surrogate in January because it feels like it's it's close enough to like it's earlier than if she went into labor earlier, but it's like close enough that it feels really real and all that. So I thought we'll do a call in January so we can go over the birth plan together. You know, Joe has given birth twice. Jeremy and I have never even been at a in the hospital waiting room when a baby was born. Like we have no idea what we're doing. What do we not know to do to support her best, whatever. So she's asking all these questions and I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm like, I almost feel like we're doing this backwards. Like we're probably doing this hospital tour a little too early, but this is when we're in town for the anatomy scan. It's going to be another two months before we have the conversation with the doula for the birth plan. So, you know, it's fine, but I'm just feeling a little like underprepared, right? Like you want to seem like the mom that knows what she is doing. And there's certain things that she says like, okay, so then the baby will come out. And it was really helpful. Like the amount of, and this probably again is due to hospital size, but she's explaining where all the different teams will be. And she's showing you how tight the room will be. And I realized like, oh, I hadn't pictured that. I hadn't pictured there's all this equipment. There's all these different types of nurses. Like it's, it's, it's a packed room. And I, I wasn't picturing that. I was like, okay, that was helpful. Like, but then she's saying things like, so the baby comes out, the doctor puts it, um, immediately puts it over here on the, um, I don't know, to get the weight, the whatever, da, 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 da. And then, you know, we'll like, then we'll, we'll, we'll bathe the baby, then like give it back to you, whatever. And I was like, I've heard so many surrogacy podcasts though about the baby comes out and it goes right to the mother's chest. And I, I'm trying so hard to let so much go in this, but that's one of the moments that I've, that I've had and that Joe and I have talked about because we've both heard so many podcasts where the surrogate says the moment that that baby went to that mom's chest and I saw the look on the parents' faces, I turned to my partner and said, I have to do this again. Like that, that specific moment is the like finish line of the marathon. It's the apex of like, this was everything. And so now that she's kind of breaking it up and describing that it's, it's not quite that or whatever, I'm back to, crap, do I, 
am I supposed to like ask if I can advocate for myself more, but I don't want to seem high maintenance and I don't want to seem pushy and like, and we haven't even, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't done the doula appointment. Maybe this is what happens. And it just, that step gets, that step gets skipped in the podcasts. Maybe everybody but me knows well, I mean, it doesn't literally go out and go on your chest. It always goes out and goes in the incubator first and blah, blah, blah. And then like, yeah, 90 seconds later, it's on your chest. Maybe everybody but me knows this and I don't want to sound pushy or high maintenance, but I also don't want to just be like, okay, that's fine if I'm like really disappointed. So it's just so hard to know, you know, what to do in this um, scenario. So anyways, thankfully, I'll tell you in a minute, but we end up talking with our doctor later and I like feel better about that scenario. But the woman warms up. I'm like, oh, do you know? She said, based on who your doctor is, I said, oh, do you know Dr. G? And she goes, oh, he, she's like, he's my best friend. And I was like, oh my gosh, we love him, blah, blah, blah. So now she's really warming up. Like now, you know, and you're realizing again, the small townness of they have worked together for 30 years in this hospital, know each other very well. So I feel like somehow now she's warming up to us because she knows we're a Dr. G patient. So anyways, we rush from there to Starbucks where we are going to meet Joe's family. And it's just, it's so beautiful. Um, her, her daughters come in first and they're six and eight. And I just don't know, right? Like some kids are very outgoing and some kids get really nervous and shy. And I... And our surrogate is more like, more quiet, like not super chatty, like, and so I'm thinking then like her girls too, maybe just like a little more chill, a little more introverted, whatever. So I've already thought through what I'm going to say. And I'm going to say like, um, do you feel more like a high five or a hug? Because again, I want to respect not all children want to be hugged by strangers, but I also don't want to, you know, just like be super formal. So First of all, they rush in. They they both have a flower for me. They've plucked a flower from like the parking lot, you know, like Adam just like, that's so, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. And like, I'm telling them something specific about like, I'm like, it's so perfect that you picked this color. And I'm like, tell them like that meaning for that color for me. And um, then I'm like, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like a high five or a hug? And like the littlest one is like a hug. And I was like, oh good. I was like, I love hugs too. They are so warm. They are obsessed with Jeremy and I. They want to be sitting on either side of me, like right away. They're like, do you want to come to Disneyland with us? <laughs> I was like, I mean, I would love to. Are are you going to Disneyland? They're like, yeah, in January. I was like, oh, okay. Well, well, if that works out, that would be so fun. And they're just like, they're so excited. They, um, uh, I was like, do you want to get somebody to eat or drink? And the one girl, she was like, I want to be surprised. She was like, give me a surprise Christmas drink. And she like puts her hands over her ears so she can't hear what I'm ordering for her. Meanwhile, I, I don't know kids at Starbucks. I'm asking the woman. I'm like, I'm like, so I need a kid drink. It's non-caffeinated. But like, what do you have that's holiday-ish? Like, she's like a peppermint hot chocolate. And I'm checking with Joe. I'm like, is it okay that they're eating this sugar? She's like, yeah, they had dinner. I'm like, okay, we're good. And um, we sit down. They're like, what do you think the baby's name is going to be? And I was like, you know, we're, we're we're really not sure. Like, what are your suggestions? So they're giving us baby name suggestions. And one of them, by the way, um, so they know the gender of the baby, which is <laughs> a whole other combo. I mean, this really just explains so much of where we are. The reason that we haven't shared the gender publicly is because we haven't even told any of Jeremy's siblings the gender because we just haven't had time. 
Like we ran, we ran out of time before we went to Italy, which was like just past the 12 week mark. We started telling people. So it's like, we told my parents, we told Jeremy's parents, we told my sister, Jeremy has a lot of siblings. So we felt like we needed to like kind of get through everybody in the same couple of days. And then everything just kind of went into chaos pretty much as soon as we got back from Italy and we could just text them. But I think I'm just aware that these are really sweet moments in life. And, you know, he has a big family. They're really spread out. So the idea of actually having a reason to like FaceTime with a sibling and their partner who also have a kid, I think especially his siblings with kids, I get now that like when you're a parent, you're so excited for the people in your life to become parents. Like you just, you just get it and you get the awesomeness of it and you are so excited for them to have that experience. So I feel like particularly his siblings with kids have just been extra excited for us. So to be able to just have that reason to call, to talk couple to couple, to, you know, tell their kids, like whether they're getting a, you know, male or female cousin or whatever, I'm like, it would be nice to have that, but when I tell you, we literally, we I'm just realizing right now, Jeremy and I haven't even talked about it one time in the last month. It hasn't even occurred to us to be like, hey, when are we going to get around to that? Um, so we've just been telling friends basically like when we see them in person and it just feels like a time to have a sweet moment. So some of our friends know, some of them don't. Again, we just like haven't got around to it. But our surrogate knew from the day we found out we were pregnant because I just felt like she... You know, she was the most involved in this process. Like she should know what the gender of that embryo was, but we didn't tell anyone else until we were further along because like our parents, um, cause I just, it makes it so much more real when you know the gender. And I just, if we had a loss in the first trimester, I just didn't want to have to deal with other people's emotions on top of it. Like that, that really was my fear was like, I, I would regret having told them and be like, why didn't I just wait a few weeks? I think they would have felt less attached. I would feel less like they're feeling bad, whatever. So anyways, but our surrogate knew from the start. So her girls knew from the start. So they're suggesting, you know, one gender baby names, but then they're like, but also if it was this other gender, they know it's not, but just hypothetically, they're like, here's names that I would like. And one of them they suggest is one of my favorite names that we can't use because it doesn't work with Jeremy's last name. Um, but prior to him has always been one of my favorite names for that gender, which maybe we should do an episode on baby names because I truly am. We've had a name for each gender for years, but as it gets closer, I'm second guessing it more. And I think it's just, you just really are like, oh my gosh, this is for life. I'm going to say this name so many times. So um, I'm I'm second guessing it more and I feel like I have searched everything that exists on the internet. And so I'm like, okay, if there's any other ideas out there, so maybe I need to start talking to y'all and see if there's anything else that that you can find that I haven't been able to find. But um, so we meet her mom who Jeremy and I had met because she flew out to New York with her. We meet two of her sisters, her best friend and her Nana, her grandma. Her grandma is the sweetest. She and my mom predominantly are the ones that like sit there and chat the most while we chat with the girls the most. At the end of the hour in Starbucks, her Nana says to my mom, I mean, I just feel like I've known you my whole life. I think it just breaks my heart that there are so many places in the world and there are even so many people in this country that want to regulate what women do with their bodies, 
how people become families and yet claim to be pro-family and pro-life and pro-children and pro-love and just to like witness these two families that were total strangers otherwise and yet you know and we're just we have very different lives like they've lived in this small town for generations Jeremy and I've you know moved across the I've moved across the country from my my family Jeremy's lived all over and we have very different lives and experiences but we are all Christians and um we're just, we're all good people, you know, and like, we love our families and we're grateful to be able to have kids. And, um, just to think here is this grandma that in this small town that sees that her granddaughter is, is doing this beautiful thing for another family and is super supportive of it and is getting to, to talk to another grandma, you know, and realizing like this grandma's getting another grandbaby because, my daughter felt a call on her heart to help someone else. Like it's just so beautiful. And it's just so insane when you like, you know, we've talked about like the, you know, in Italy, they, you know, say that Jeremy and I are worse than pedophiles, like for engaging in surrogacy. And I just want to be like, just sit around that table at Starbucks. Like these are just like two loving families who just want more love? Like, why the F do you care that this is what we want to do? Like, who are we hurting? Like, this makes absolutely no sense. So it was just so beautiful. We took a photo of all of us at Starbucks. And, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, and heading into being a parent and all of that. Like, I wish... (laughs) I wish I could share photos like without redacting people's faces and things like that. Like I wish I could share that with just you, you know, like with just our insular community instead of it being out on the internet where like the photos can be scraped by anything and anyone can see anything and like, you know, creepy software of like pulling kids faces and whatever like I wish that we could just like have a private place where I could share these and you could just be like you know put faces to names and um I don't know I just don't even share like our surrogate's full name or our doctor's full name or the the town that she's in because there's just I don't know it's just the internet is so big right like and I know I know you're <laughs> you're a safe person, um, but it's so weird knowing that like what I put on Instagram, just anyone searching the IVF for surrogacy hashtag or whatever can see. So anyways, our doctor, meanwhile, is on call this week. He knows that we would love to meet him. And he had said like, I'll, I'll try my best to see them after hours as long as no one is in labor and I have to be there. I will, um, I will see them. I will stay late and see them after hours. So Perfect timing. He texts. We've been at Starbucks for an hour. Feels like a good time. We rush off to this appointment. This is the final part of the day. Our doctor is an angel and a Saturday Night Live character all wrapped into one. (laughs) Jeremy and I are like, we are going to be talking about Dr. G for the rest of our lives. In the most positive way and also in the most hilarious way. So as soon as we come up, he's standing outside like saying goodbye to some of his 
staff for the day. And he's like, okay, Hillary, you can't take photos. You can't take videos. I know you're going to want to, but you can't record anything. And I'm like, no worries. Like, we're just happy to be here. But I think that means that it must be very medically illegal for him to be having a patient I don't know if it's after hours. I don't know if it's because he didn't make any of his other staff stay late. Like maybe he's not supposed to be, you know, in a room with a patient without a nurse or something, even though it's a patient plus three of us. Or there must be something else like that because he's like very emphatic. And when we call, I mean, we're on FaceTime and he's never said to me, like, don't be recording this. I think it was something about the fact that it was like after hours. Anyways, I'm like, no worries. We're just, we just wanted to meet him because number one, if he was out of town when the baby came, we would just never get to meet him if he isn't there at the birth. And if he is there, it just will make it feel more warm, right? To be able to like see another friendly face and um, whatever. So we really just want to meet him. He immediately, he's like, so this is where the magic happens. He's like walking us through the admin area. Like, I don't know why we need to see that, but okay. Then he's showing us his C-section chart. He's like, we have one of the lowest C-section rates. So now here's the national average. He's showing us this big like laminated thing that shows his C-section rate. And I was like, well, I don't have a preference, but if Jocelyn does, I am thrilled to hear it because again, that's true. I do not have an attachment to, I mean, yes, I think because we could be in the room, like I would prefer to have a vaginal birth, but really like we just want the baby here and healthy. Like I'm really have released so much of this pregnancy thing, but he does have a very low C-section rate. And I think from my one other friend who was pregnant, again, it's just interesting because I know in this community, you know, some of you have like had four kids. (laughs) Some of you had four kids 20 years ago, and now you've had, you know, grandkids since. Others of you are pregnant right now and going through this, and others of you, like me five seconds ago, have not been through this. So you don't know what you don't know. So I think the C-section rate, don't quote me on this research yet, but I think it's much higher in the U.S., and it's higher because they want to avoid lawsuits So it's easier to, it is faster to do a C-section. I believe C-section rates go up most when it's the end of a shift and they just want to like get it over with and not have to pull an all-nighter or not have to stay later. So I do think that a low C-section rate shows we are more focused on the, the health of the baby and the mom rather than trying to avoid the lawsuits and trying to like you know, get clock out or whatever, I think it is a higher sign of a doctor and a hospital that is like, okay, taking its time and not rushing. Um, Because I know I had a friend that specifically went to a different hospital because their C-section rate was so much lower than this other hospital. And it wasn't just so much that she didn't want to have a C-section, but more an attachment or association that that means there's like, it's more formulaic almost than organic. I don't know if I'm right or not. I am not your doula expert on this. I think I'm, the reason I'm sharing that opinion that is based on very little information is actually specifically to say, there is so much in this that you're like, I heard this from one person. I don't know. Should I research this more? Should I, is there anything I can even do about it? If this is the hospital I'm at, if this is the doctor I'm at, like, it's so hard to know what to care about, not care about. So Anyways, he brings us into the room. It is, we, we are so crammed in there. It's this tiny room on the other, like 
Joe is laying down and then like behind her are me, Jeremy and my mom, um, which is really cool, by the way, that like they didn't have ultrasounds when my mom was pregnant and she'd never gone. I mean, I think this is probably pretty normal. She'd never gone to one of my sister's appointments with her. My sister has been had uh, three children, been pregnant three times. And so that was kind of cool that I'm just like, hey, my mom's getting a new life experience, you know, in her 70s. But the the monitor, y'all. It was like a computer from the early 90s, if you were old enough to have had computers. It was the oldest thing you have ever seen. Like, so tiny. Like, you know the, the computers that used to have, like, they're, like, the cursor would blink. It's like a black background, and the cursor blinks while it's waiting for you to type the next word. Like, it looked like that. It was so small. It was like, I don't know, not nine inches by nine inches maybe. So anyways, oldest monitor. And I can't, I can't believe that we saw, Jeremy and I are like, were they using a different monitor at our 14 week scan? Because if they were, if there's a better monitor, the the place is empty. Why would he have not taken us to the better monitor? That wouldn't really make sense. But I do not understand how we saw such a clear video of the baby at 14 weeks because this was like a fraction of that. I don't, I don't understand. Did like the Holy Spirit just go into that machine on the 14 week scan? And that was our one moment we're going to get, because again, I would now say to my friend, having been through one in person, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to press you that if you spent the 150 bucks, you're going to see this motion in the baby and it's going to make you so deeply connected because we've done three, three of them. Since, because you know, we did ones earlier with IVF, you I did realize you do a lot more appointments, but it just looks like two little rectangles. Like you see the little flicker of the heartbeat, but it doesn't look like a little fetus yet. So yeah, that's what we saw for a while. Then suddenly at 14 weeks, it looked like a baby. Now we're at 20 weeks, second scan of the day. You're still like, okay, I, th- I think, is that a, that's a spine? Okay. Like it just did not look as much like a baby and it's so much bigger. So I don't know. I think we just had a miracle at 14 weeks. So our doctor basically starts telling us his whole life story. And on the one hand, I like him and feel warmly towards him for this because it's very much a, a, a my dad move. Um, but he's like, he's telling us that he was valedictorian at a Ivy League school <clears throat> I won't mention which school, but he's valedictorian in Ivy League school. And um, then there's a program where if you move to this small town um, to help the migrant farm workers, like it was a lower income population and they will, you know, the, the state will help pay off your student loans or whatever. But he's like, the problem is then you start to care about the people and then you don't want to leave. So he never leaves this small town. However, I don't know how far away. I'm guessing like two hours away. He has a very nice house on uh, in some nice neighborhood. He's showing us, y'all, he's showing us on Zillow while he's doing the ultrasound with one. He's showing us on Zillow the house he just sold and how nice it is and how much it went for. And he's like, now don't, don't show this to Joe because this isn't how he normally talks to his patients. I don't know. I don't, it's like we have this weird hybrid relationship with him where because we're not really from here 
and he thinks of us as being from New York City, it's almost like not in a braggy way. I don't know. It's almost just like giving context. And in some ways, maybe he is trying to instill confidence in that, like, he's a very talented doctor who has done very well. And and it seems like we're in this tiny little town, but we're not getting tiny little town medical care. Like, I don't know, but he's so warm and so likable. It was not off-putting at all. It was just hilarious. So he's showing us this very nice house that he just sold. And now this very nice house that he just bought, he's telling us which celebrities are his neighbors. And we're just like, what is happening? Like, why are we looking at these listings? Then, but then he tells us that he said, Every time I walk in and guys like he sit, he stands up from his stool. He moves to the door. He, he goes out of the door. He enters back in to physically mime and show us the experience. He said, every time I walk into this room, <laughs> I'm interviewing the patient and I'm always hoping that what I'm going to find is that this baby is going to a good home. And he said, my... My sister is a children's defender. Like she, um, like she locks up sex offenders and, and things like that, something in that realm. And his brother <clears throat> is a superintendent in a low-income neighborhood or, or something like that. And he said, and then I'm, you know, a baby doctor. I just lost the word. But, you know, so he's like all – my siblings and I, we've all chosen careers that protect children. And he said – my mom was, she was odd. Um, she was just odd. And that's all he said about it. But I think what he, the sentence he didn't finish, I think, was <clears throat> we didn't get the love, the care, the protection that we should have as children. And so we all grew up as adults saying I want to protect other kids that might not have had that also. And he said, my first birth, when I handed the baby to the mother, I cried. And he said, I didn't know why I was crying. And I cried again at the second birth. And I cried again at the third birth. And again, he didn't really finish his sentence. It was like a it was kind of like ping pong. Like we would like change topics so much and what he was saying was meaningful and it was beautiful and it was important, but then also we would like kind of ping pong around. And I think, again, to finish his sentence, he was saying that there was such a, uh, if I can put words in his mouth, I think he was trying to say that he felt such a sense in passing that baby over of like, please love and care for this baby. Like, it really matters. Like, I didn't get it as a child. And I am just, I am so hoping that you guys are going to do right by this baby. And he said, he said, you know, people come in here earlier today, I had a a mom who's asking me, you know, what's the, what's the best formula to give my baby? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jeremy, I just keep quoting this. And he points to Jeremy and I, and he's like, the best formula is your love, <laughs> which is such a sweet sentiment, right? And it, and it is, it is true. It does matter most, but also I felt for the mom who was like, Okay, but could you also just give me an answer on the formula? Because I had other questions prepared that I was like, okay, should we should we be getting the Tdap shot? I know Jeremy and I each did that when we had nieces and nephews at a different point. I don't remember how long ago that was. And like, 
who else should be? Like, is it anyone, you know, family or friends who are going to come see the baby in the first three months? And somehow I didn't get a straight answer on that because somehow it, the answer kind of looped back around to like, you know, it was like the, the most important thing really is the, the two of you not arguing, you know, and the two of you really being a team. <laughs> and Jeremy and I were like, yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Also though, about the, t- about the TDAP shot, we still don't really have clarity. I was asking about the COVID shot. And he's like, um, he's like, oh, well, the, the fourth one just came out. Um, and yeah, nobody has it. Nobody has it around here. So uh, yeah, and my mom's like, oh, really? She's like, I, I just got it down in SoCal. He's like, wow, you're, you're lucky. I don't think, he calls his friend, which actually was the woman that gave us the hospital tour earlier. He's like, do you know anyone that's gotten the fourth COVID shot? And she's like, no, no, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, we don't. But meanwhile, I wasn't focused on the fourth COVID shot. I don't know the COVID schedule. Our surrogacy agency told us to ask our doctor about the flu shot and the COVID shot and to make sure that Joe got those during her pregnancy. She already got the flu shot. They were doing it for free at work. So we checked that off. We hadn't talked about COVID. I know previously she had other COVID vaccinations. That's something that you go through in the surrogacy process for matching. And it was one of the reasons, I may have said this previously, but it's one of the reasons why the wait was longer right now is because as of 2020, now it's like the the question everyone is asking is, is, is the intended parents, the surrogate, are we on the same page about COVID vaccination? Which is so wild to realize nobody was talking about that in 2019. And so now, you know, big chunk of the surrogate population is is not vaccinated and therefore those are the parents they're going to be matched with and that means your your pool is just shrunk. So we knew we were on the same page, but I just I I guess I didn't I was thinking about it and I see my, the the flaw in my thinking now, but I was thinking about it as should you get the covid vaccine while pregnant because when the covid vaccine first came out and I had a friend who was pregnant, she was trying to decide whether or not to get it. And it hadn't occurred to me, if you've already gotten your COVID vaccination and then you get pregnant, you don't get another one while pregnant. Of course that makes sense. But mind you, I've got a zillion things going on in my head and I've just, the surrogacy agency has asked me to ask this. So I'm asking, but I wasn't specifically asking about the fourth variant because I don't know, guys, I think, I think Jeremy and I got two rounds. I guess that means there's a third we haven't gotten. I, I don't know. Like, I just wasn't that on top of it. And there's so many of those little details. So anyways, I guess she's good on that vaccination. Then, oh, but then we circled back to the Tdap and he said, oh, well, they'll, they'll give, they give the mom that at the hospital. And he's like, but then I don't, so they would give Joe that. I don't know if you guys get it. So that's when he calls the the friend at the hospital who we saw earlier. He's like, if you have surrogate parents, are you giving them the Tdap? And she goes, you know, I, he doesn't even say our names. She's like, you know, I thought about that as soon as they left. Because again, we're in a small town. We're the only surrogate people in town doing this. We all know who we're talking about. She's like, you know, I, she's on speakerphone. She's like, I thought about that earlier when they left. And I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that. And there's so many of those little things like when we... She gave us the tour. We were just about to leave. We went to the bathroom and we came back out. And she said, you know, the nurses just asked me a question that I don't know the answer to. So are you guys who they're supposed to go to to get consent 
for things? And I said, yes, yes. They come to us for consent if it's about the baby. But I said, also, we're very aligned with Joe. Joe's not going to make a decision about the baby without asking us. It's not She's not going to say, oh, well, the nurse asked me. And I said, but also we're very aligned that if it's something about her, do you know what I mean? Like whether or not she wants an epidural, like that's a her body question, you know? So it's a, it's a, there's a little bit of a gray area that I don't want again to be like, you must run everything by me. But I also was like, we're on the same page with Joe. We're mutually respectful both ways. I have no concern that she's just going to make a decision that should have been run by us. But then I'm also saying we'll have our parentage paperwork, which is a whole thing. Just a fun fact. It costs $7,000 to um, get a legal piece of paper that confirms that the baby is ours and that we can like leave the hospital with it. Now, probably most of that is paid for in lawyer fees. Um, Also, fun fact about surrogacy, every lawyer that we've dealt with has also been a surrogate parent themselves. Um, There is kind of a cool insular world here where it's like people go through it and then feel connected to it. And if they happen to be a lawyer, if they happen to be a, you know, whatever, then they they do it in this field. So both lawyers we've spoken to have been surrogate dads, um, dads through surrogacy themselves. Um, So we've paid the $7,000 to be processing right now through the courts. It's a very long process so that if she goes into labor early, we have all the paperwork. We have a hard copy. She has a hard copy. We have the phone number of the lawyer in case both of us forget the hard copy because we're going to have to show it there to clarify that it's our names on the birth certificate and that we are legally allowed to leave with the baby, which I understand the you know confusion and complexity around that. Still wild that it costs us $7,000 when we and Joe are on the same page. So couldn't we just, you know, make this um, less expensive? But anyway, so you just realize how many little questions they don't know the answer to in surrogacy. However, or just like it's new, right? It's uh, it's not new. Uh, It's not new. It's been happening specifically in California. It's been happening for over 25 years, but it's rare. It's a newer experience to them is what I mean. As a doctor, as a nurse, as a hospital administrator, they may not have as much experience. However, it's also not so uncommon that when we were earlier at the, um, at the anatomy scan, the, the ultrasound tech, as she warmed up to us, was um, she said, she said, it's really great to, to see you guys here. 95% of the time that I've done a scan on a surrogate, the intended parents aren't here. Now, first of all, I want to go back to, if that's the case, then why were you not warmer to us? Like, this isn't your first experience with surrogacy. You're telling me you've done a lot of anatomy scans on surrogates. And the fact that we flew in for this actually is rare. So why would that alone not have perked you up enough to be like, oh, this is these are really engaged parents? Now, it's actually not fair to say that we're we are more engaged parents because she was saying that most of the time it's because they're overseas. And specifically, she said um, a lot of them are in China because surrogacy is illegal in China, apparently. And then our doctor also mentioned that he's had uh, multiple patients who have done surrogacy with, um, with parents in China. And so the parents are never there. He never meets them. And I said two things. One, I realized that 
I have a specific view of what I think the most common surrogacy stories are because the podcasts I've listened to, the social media accounts I follow, they're, they're almost all American. Like I can think of one girl on Instagram who's in Canada. I can think of one episode where I heard of dad, you know, gay dads that were from, I don't know, South America or something, but a very small percentage. So it was really interesting to hear them say 95% of the time, that's what they're seeing. So I'm just mentioning that in case anyone here is considering being a surrogate. Um, I think of it as predominantly being American, American pairings. And maybe that is a lot more uncommon. But I also want to say this because I felt like I, th- I think it would be easy to say if the parents aren't there, it's a very transactional relationship. But let's also imagine, because I think unfortunately we're in a country that has so much nationalism where we see ourselves as so different and other than, than other people. But let's imagine there is this beautiful couple in China who is heartbroken over their miscarriages and they live in this place where surrogacy is illegal. They do not speak English and they've had other friends who have have gone to America and have children and they really want to have a child. And so out of their love for being parents, they take the money that they have and they do IVF over here, which I'm, I don't know, is it very expensive over here based on the exchange rate over there? I'm not sure. I know there are American couples that go to other countries because it's less expensive there. It's so expensive here, friends. It is so expensive. Um, so I don't know, is it is it even more expensive for them if they're coming here? And so maybe they can't afford to be flying over just to go to a 30-minute anatomy scan where you can't really see anything on the screen anyways, and they don't speak the language, so they just don't really have that relationship. And they might love to have that relationship. They might so wish that there was a woman in China who could carry their baby, and they could be there for all the appointments, and they could develop the relationship with her. But I guess I just, I was aware that my reaction, and I think the reaction, the assumption, the subtext of the ultrasound text, or even the subtext of my doctor, was sort of like, it's a shame how transactional those relationships are. But you also, but it sounds, therefore, like this is just a wealthy couple throwing money at some American girl to just like get something that they want. But it also could be a Chinese couple who's drained their savings like Jeremy and I did, because they really want a baby. And it's devastating for them that their baby is in another country. And it's devastating for them that they can only fly over the once. And they they wish that they had a relationship, but they, they don't speak the language. And it's very hard to find a surrogate in America that speaks Chinese. I'm just going to guess, you know, like if this is the, the story. So just noticing that we have this assumption, even in those cases, Oh yeah, people just people just rent a womb in the US. Like in reality, those people could be th- the same as Jeremy and I. They just live in a country that doesn't support them. And imagine if our only option was in China. And now we don't have that relationship with Joe. Like we don't speak Chinese. She doesn't speak English. 
we can't afford to go over there more than once, you know? And like, you know us and you care for us. Like that same family can exist in China just because they're over there doesn't mean they've got all this money and they're cold hearted and they don't, they don't want that relationship. Like that doesn't suddenly mean it's just, I was going to say Handmaid's Tale, which I hate to even say, because obviously Handmaid's Tale people are slaves and they're being raped and this is against their will. And it's an entirely different scenario than someone electively saying that they would very much like to be pregnant and they are financially stable, but yes, they will also be compensated because this is a big life commitment to make. Um, but just, just thinking about what those, you know, what our story is when we hear something. So anyways, um, this is just to say that our appointment with our doctor is this like wild ping pong. He's, he's taken phone calls from his friends. He's putting them on speaker. He's like, it's so like slapdashery. And yet he's also telling us that the femur is the longest bone in the body. And he's explaining like why you take the measurements that you make and how the machine therefore gives you the, um, the, the due date. And it just, it was hilarious he is wise. He, he is very loving. Um, it was great. It was just a great memory. And I think I'm just aware we don't, you don't have a lot of memories when of the pregnancy process when you're doing surrogacy. And so it, it might sound funny, but like having a really weird, wild, funny, lovely, memorable 30 minute appointment with our doctor, like that's going to be one of the main things that we remember, you know, having that hour at Starbucks, like we don't have all these bump photos. We don't, I don't have stories about morning sickness or any of those things. Like there's so much of, uh, there's so few memories that we have. We mostly are just in this season of waiting and we're, we got to move and got all these things, um, that I'm just so grateful for, you know, those moments. And I mentioned earlier that Joe had sent us a video, the last appointment we had, Dr. G was on call. He had to rush it. He didn't have time to do an ultrasound. He just listened to the heartbeat. And so she's filming her stomach. Um, I should put this on Instagram um, too. And I'm going to try to put together little reels of um, this weekend just because like I, I, I want those memories, you know? Um, and, and I just really do love representing this to intended parents, to surrogates, to future surrogates. Like, I'm just so grateful to the stories that I heard and I want to like pay it forward by, by being part of that. Um, and, um, so anyway, so she sends this little video and he's just doing the Doppler wand or whatever over her stomach and you're hearing the heartbeat. And then he just says, looks great, Hillary. And I, I told him in that room, I said, I just burst into tears when you said that. And I said, I was fine. I wasn't worried about, I'm, I'm not worried about the baby. I'm not worried about the heartbeat. I'm not anxious before the appointments. Like we're good. I'm happy for any video, you know, whatever. I said, I wasn't expecting you to say anything, but a colleague of mine, um, on Instagram had just recently gone down. I think it was their six or seven month appointment. I think it was even past the anatomy scan and she too has to get on a plane to her surrogate and um, they had a really painful experience where the ultrasound tech or the nurse or whatever just kept dismissing her and her husband. Like she would just direct questions to the surrogate and their surrogate would be like, oh, you, you, uh, you can ask the parents. And it's like the tech just 
refused. Like she just refused to respect them. And, you know, Sarah was just, you know, sharing emotionally on Instagram, like how hard it was to just like not be, and again, it's just, it's the smallest thing. Like why? It's just, it costs you nothing to just be emotionally kind. So I just said to him, as, as an intended parent, you just hear so many stories of disappointment and disrespect. And you just, you brace for a lot. You really lower your expectations and you're so grateful for what you get. And I said, in that moment, I said, initially when you said it, I, my first thought was like, oh, he should, like, oh, why didn't he say Hillary and Jeremy? Like, it was almost like my first thought was like feeling bad that like Jeremy was cut out of it. But then I realized, no, 95% of the time when you have someone lying on this table, it's just the mom. The, the dad is at work or whatever. It's, it's just the mom that's laying there. That's the mostly what's coming out of your mouth is you're just saying her name. And so you were just conscious that while Joe was lying there, you know she's filming and you just treated me as though I was the one that was lying there. Like you just acknowledged that I'm the mom. And I said, it wasn't that I was bracing for you not to. It wasn't that I needed you to. I think it's that I've heard so many stories of disappointment and disrespect that when I said, just your level of humanity is so meaningful. And I really, it is so sad to me that I've been taught to be so grateful and to realize how lucky we are to have you as our doctor. Um, and, you know, the fact that you let us FaceTime into calls, like I said, it's just, I want you to know that we don't take that for granted and it shouldn't be this big thing that you're doing because you're just be being a kind human, but it's not how all doctors are. And we just can't tell you how grateful we are that, um, that you're our doctor. So we're about halfway there in our surrogacy process and, um, it was a crazy day. But it was a really good day, and we were two inches away from our baby. Like, you know, we both put our hands on her belly, and I was like, we're, we're two inches away. And the next time we are that close, you know, we'll be, well, depending on how long labor takes, I don't know, you know, a, a, a day or um, so away from actually meeting them. Um, and Joe's best friend who was at Starbucks asked, at Starbucks asked, like, are you guys, are you guys really like anxious? Are you like feeling impatient? Like, oh, I just wish like the baby was here already. And I was like, not right now because we're, we're moving. We've got a lot going on in our lives. And so it just is like logic. We're, we're moving because of the baby. So it's logical that like these things have to happen first. And there is so much to that. And, um, you know, there's holidays and seeing family and all of that. So I said, right now, I think it's just the story makes sense. We're not just sitting around in our home in the nursery being like, okay, like it's so much longer. It's still another, you know, five months or wait, five months, four months. You know, now I understand what people mean when they say we talk about nine months of pregnancy, but it's really 10 months because if it's four, eight, 12, 16, 20, yeah, 20 weeks is five months. Well, 40 weeks then would be 10 months. 
once you've been pregnant, you get that. Otherwise, when people are saying it to you, you're like, okay, I guess that is confusing, but you don't really think through it that much. Now I understand why people say it. We're at five months and 20 weeks. If a pregnancy is nine months and 40 weeks, does that mean we're halfway there or not? Is the baby coming in four months or are they coming in five? So anyways, I said, we're not just sitting home in the nursery being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have four months. We're like, okay, so we got to pack up in New York. We got to get through the holidays. We got to find a find a place to live. We got like we've got so much stuff that I said I think once we get to like I think it depends the the finding a place, the getting settled in a place. I think eventually we're going to get to that point where we're like, okay, I mean, heaven help us, we're going to get to that point or the baby's going to come super early and we're going to be like we have a uh, entirely packed up house and nothing is unpacked and SOS, we need somebody to go over and unpack us. Um, but hopefully we will like actually have a settled house, actually have a nursery set up and, you know, diapers and bottles and all, even little, sorry, little details. Like the woman who gave us the tour was like, oh, by the way, if you're doing formula, and you have your a formula you want, you have to bring a bottle because the only formula we have here the nipple screws right onto the top. And so if you want to use another formula, you need to bring a bottle. And I was like, okay, I mean, tiny yet significant detail. Now I, I, my instinct is to say, I don't care what formula we feed the baby. Let's just get the baby fed. Like, let's not stress about it. But then I said to Jeremy, I don't know. Is there a problem changing formulas? Is there, what if we give the baby that formula and then they don't want to take the other one? And what if that formula from the hospital is like twice as expensive? Or I I don't know. Like it just makes your head kind of spin and all the little things. So anyways, somehow we will get there. Um, but I think towards the end, we could start to get a little more like, oh my gosh, how are they not here yet? But right now, while I certainly wish that our life was not as hard and chaotic as it is, and we'll share that with you soon, but um, I wish that things were easier. I do have a little bit of regret that I feel like we're missing some of this pregnancy season because we're just so insane and because we don't know where we're moving, we can't like order stuff, we can't set stuff up, like we're not getting to nest. And and I feel sad about that. But then I also, you know, I try really hard as often as I can to say, as you know, how is this happening for us? Rather than like, why is this happening to us? How is this happening for us? And so I am praying that we get that season at the end and that we look back and are, are or you're even talking to other surrogate friends in the future who were like, oh my gosh, the weight was agonizing. And we're like, you know what actually happened for us? Our life was so crazy during that time. We, we didn't have the agonizing weight. We didn't have time to be stressed about it. And maybe that made a, you know, made it a little easier um, for us in the end. But regardless, this is our story and every story has pros and cons. Every story has parts that are harder and easier. And um, there is so much specifically around our pregnancy, our surrogate, our doctor. Like We are so grateful for because sadly I know um, how much harder uh, the, the process can be. And so we are very grateful. And I don't know when we'll have another baby update. Um, it's kind of odd realizing it was like, you know, we did one at the end of the first trimester, which feels like the big milestone, but now the anatomy scan and having gone to see her at five months, 
is there like anything else before, oh my gosh, the baby is here? I don't know. I don't know. Will there be more at seven months, at eight months? Um, It is sort of weird that this is kind of the big milestone they focus on. And then you're just like, all right, we got another 20 weeks. Like, what else happens after this point? Um, Maybe it is setting up the nursery and ordering the stroller and all those things that just feel really hard because we're in such transition, have so much going on right now that um, I feel like we got to kind of wait and hope we don't have a super scramble at the end um, because baby Roka comes early. But you know what? If that happens, we will survive. We will survive and we will just be so grateful for a happy, healthy baby and um, Joe being happy and healthy as well. So I pray that you are happy and healthy, you and yours, wherever you are, and that even in the midst of hard things that you are carrying, you are finding the joy and the delight and that you are caring for yourself so that you are able to hold both of those things. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, I forgot to say this and I told you that I would circle back around to it. So the woman who gave us the hospital tour is saying that they put the baby right into the the way or the incubator, I don't know what the thing is called, and like not right on your chest. And I'm not sure I to ask about it. And then when the doctor is talking about it at his office, he says... <laughs> Sorry. He's he again is my main. So he he stands up, he turns off all the lights, he closes the door. He's like, when you're there in the womb, he's pointing to, to Joe's stomach. He's like, it's like this. And he gets up and he turns everything off so it can be dark. But there's like still some like screens on, so it's not fully dark. So his point isn't completely made, but you know, he's getting there. But I love, I'm loving the theatricality of it. Like when I told you earlier that he is a real my dad, like Jerry Rushford, would turn off all the lights to give you that lived experience. He's like, this this is all you've known. So he's like, you come out. Now he throws all the lights on. You come out into this bright place. I mean, that's just, that's going to feel aggressive. So that's why we keep all the lights dim. And I know <laughs> this PS alone is so indicative how I feel. I'm like almost about to get choked up. But I was like, that makes me feel so much better. Now, I didn't cry in front of him when I said this, but I'm just realizing now, honestly, like, I felt so relieved by this. And I don't know. (sighs) Guys, can you, (laughs) can pregnancy hormones be a thing if you're not the one carrying? (laughs) Has anyone been through surrogacy or adoption or your friends and like, you've got what feels like the mom pregnancy hormones, but you're, you're not actually pregnant. It's like where I feel like I have. So I saw something on Instagram. Graham, no, it was a podcast episode that was how you will feel in birth based upon your Enneagram type. I felt so incredibly seen because the Enneagram 4 wants things to be dim, wants there to be a, a vibe, like cares about the atmosphere. And it made me feel so much less crazy hearing this like birth doula talk about the different Enneagram types and being like, yes, that's what I want. Like, I want my nervous system to feel calm. Like there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of fear. Things can go wrong in birth. You know, it, 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 it can happen. We all know this. And, and, and I know I've already thought through that the baby has not experienced light before. I, I had this realization a couple of years ago when I was having a plant medicine experience. Um, and I was, and a friend of mine was about to have a baby 
and uh, her baby's name is James. And I was like, James doesn't know light. He's only ever seen darkness. So the, so the doctor is like, it's, it's dim and it comes out and, and the baby goes right to your chest before we clean it off any of that. He was like, don't, um, he said, I, I don't mean, you know, you need to like strip down, but if, if, if you can have your, your skin exposed and, you know, he said, we can give you a gown. And again, I felt less crazy because y'all, I've been, I'm looking I'm looking for a wrap top. I'm looking for a, I found one brand, but they're pretty pricey. And I just don't know if I would wear this outfit again. Um, I'm going to put this on, on Instagram eventually to see if anybody has another suggestion, because I really feel like this is important. I want a wrap top. You know, you don't want it to be like cashmere that's sweaty. You're going to, a baby has stuff all over them, right? Like it needs to be easily cleanable. You don't want it to be silk. You just want it to be like durable. But uh, I've pictured a, a wrap top so that I can just open my top at the appropriate time and have that baby placed on my chest and have that warmth. And I was like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy that I want it dim. I'm not crazy that I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear. Like, like my instincts are right. My instincts are right that this is what's best for the baby. And my wild Saturday Night Live doctor who's acting everything out and putting on a theatrical performance and showing us his Zillow listings is is also validating to me that like this makes sense. Like my maternal instincts here for me, for my baby, for myself make sense. And so he says like, we're not going to clean it off and give, give, give it to you wrapped in a perfect bundle. Like we just, we just want it right on your chest and it needs to lock into your eyes and Jeremy's eyes. And it's going to judge the, the distance of your eyes to your nose. And those first 30 minutes, it's going to be, going to be tracking, you know, what it is on your face, et cetera. Um, and it was just so interesting how talking to, now again, the woman who said she was his, Dr. G's best friend at the hospital, which don't tell her, but when I said this to him, I was like, oh yeah, we had a hospital tour before. And then I said, her doctor was, and, and she said, oh, he's my best friend. And he goes, I don't remember what name he said, but he didn't say her name. He was like, was it Whitney? And I was like, no, it was this name. And he was like, oh yeah, we are pretty close. It's <laughs> like, well, don't tell that woman that apparently you and Whitney is higher on the list of your best friends. But I think it's more just probably a lot of people feel like they're this guy's best friend because he's so warm and wonderful. And, um, but she was making me feel like, oh, are, are my instincts and expectations not right? And then the par- a partner in this with the same doctor and and she said she was like he's an amazing doctor he's going to do whatever is best for the baby and i was like yeah absolutely like if the baby is in duress i'm not going to be like i would like to prioritize getting to hold the baby i mean i'm not again just in case anyone is confused and listening like i have so i, I don't want to say low expectations as in i'm expecting to be disappointed but i have i am i am very into releasing my expectations of this process. And I know a lot of people say that about birth plans, but I think throughout the surrogacy experience, it is times 10. So I'm, I am, I mean, as you, as you kind of heard, as I was you know saying earlier, you're just like, when, when do I advocate and when do I release? Because sometimes I need to stand up for myself and my family because the system isn't set up to support us. And other times I want to release and trust and be like, that, that's fine. 
in the in the grand scheme of life, the 60 seconds there, missing that one moment, not getting the perfect photos of the anatomy scan because the baby wasn't showing themselves, like it, it's fine, you know? Um, so I wasn't like, I'm going to fight the doctor for this, but him saying, now I still will be honest, I still don't really know the play-by-play. I'm still a little confused. If these two people have worked together for 30 years, which is it? <laughs> does the baby go to the wayer first or does it go to me? I think I just need to be like, whatever happens, happens, and it's going to be a surreal experience, whatever it is. Um, but I have clarified that I'm in a wrap top <laughs> and the room is dim. <laughs> and as a stylist in an Enneagram 4, I'm really loving <laughs> that I felt like my doctor and I were on the same page. Now, I still have questions. Am I supposed to bring the candles? Like, because, you know, I hear people talk about the, um, the I'm, I'm clicking my thumb, electric candles. You know, you can't light real ones. I'm still like, should I bring, you know, those little hatch glow lights or whatever? Like, should I have things like that? Because we're going to want to keep the room dim. Is the, is the room on a dimmer? Like, I've got more questions, right? And we've already done a hospital tour, so I don't think I'm getting back there. So now, watch, half my hospital bag is going to be various forms of dim lighting so that I can get the mood right and then being like, we didn't use any of these, I'm returning them all um, to Walmart afterwards. But it makes me feel better. I really was worried. I saw one person on Instagram. I've only one time have I seen someone on Instagram actually doing their stories as an intended parent while they were at the hospital. And I, my colleague Aaron, and I said to Jeremy at the time, it was so bright in there. And I realized, I think I picture it as this dim vibe. Now, maybe because people talk so much about bringing the electric candles and whatever, if that's your thing. And I was like, it was bright, but also like it's daytime now that I'm thinking of it. Did the rooms have windows? I guess two of the rooms they showed us didn't have windows. I don't remember if the third one did, because of course, if you're, you know, having a birth at one o'clock in the afternoon, there's going to be daylight. So your head just goes a million places. You're trying to prepare yourself so you know what to expect. And you're also simultaneously trying to acknowledge that you have, you don't want to have expectations because they're also going to be different. Um, I mean, just praise God for the Enneagram, really, whoever first created that, it has just really helped me a lot. Um, So that's what I'm loving. And I'm going to get your help finding this wrap top outfit because I really don't know that I want to pay the price for this. Um, It's just a little more hippie-ish than what I feel like I would wear. It's very like Earth Mama and that's not really my vibe. But like, I don't really wear wrap tops anyways. And I've literally only found one. So like, I'm not trying to go for the cutest thing, right? Like I just, that when I Google, I have found one like pants and tops option. So um, if you have any ideas, hold on to them. I will um, post a stories um, eventually and um, and get any of your ideas over there uh, so that they don't get lost in DMs. I'll put up a, a Q&A box or I'll put up a post um, on my stories or something because so much else is going on right now that I could use all the help I could get. It just has to be in a concise place um, where I'm not going to lose it. So if you see anything, keep an eye out, hold on to it, and I will post about it um, to get your help. Okay. I love you so much, my internet aunties. Um, I will see you back here next week and over on Instagram in the meantime with grace and gumption. next Wednesday.